Hey everyone, this is Find Your Film episode 149. Not going to be too much Blu-ray coverage for this episode because right now what we decided to do over at Cinematics is for the Cinematics podcast, that will be straight up weekly movie reviews from me, Bruce Perky, and Eric Holmes. As you know, some of you might know, Anderson Cowan joined us during the middle of the month to preview films and talk about the movies that he saw within the previous month. So that is the Cinematics world. Here on Find Your Film, initially, when Bruce and Eric left to go to Cinematics, I was thinking of Find Your Film would be more of a home video, home entertainment, Blu-ray, DVD kind of thing, and that still will remain intact. That said... Sorry for the buzz. A lot of the stuff we've been doing the last several weeks, or not the last several weeks, last couple of years, is doing interviews, and I've been shoehorning them over at the Cinematics Podcast. Those interviews now, these movie interviews, will be housed here for the Find Your Film Podcast. So thank you so much, listeners, for all, from all around the world listening to my ramblings about cinema and movies and DVDs, and before that, our weekly Find Your Film show. But now... What we're going to do is DVDs, Blu-rays, coverage still will stand here, but then primarily a lot of the stuff will be interviews with intros by me, intros by Eric, and et cetera, et cetera. The next several days, you're going to have some good stuff here over at Find Your Film. In a couple of days, Eric and I will be interviewing the filmmaker, Kurt Wimmer, from Children of the Corn and the star of it, Kate Moyer. Unfortunately, Elena Comporis was not available for the interview, but we're going to sit down with them, not sit down via Zoom, and chat with them for 30 minutes or so. And that conversation, me and Eric will be t- talking to Kurt and Kate about Children in the Corn for about 30 minutes. And we're going to house that here in about a couple of days, two, three days over at the Find Your Film podcast. I also really enjoy this comedy called The Donor Party. And I just, today I interviewed this actress named Erin Hayes. You might know her from the latest Christmas Story movie. I think another Christmas Story. I forgot what the name of that was, but she's in the donor party. So I interviewed her, and then I also interviewed the film's writer and director, or am going to interview the film's writer and director, Tom Harp. So that's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff in my brain, and I apologize for putting that in your brain. Just know that in the coming days, weeks, moving forward, you're going to be getting a lot of interviews. Hopefully some of them will be insightful or maybe sway you whether you like a movie or not, or may encourage you to see a movie or caution you not to. So that's that. So look for that in a couple of days. Now for this specific episode, I interviewed Matt Nabel, the writer and director behind this new movie called Transfusion and it's headlined by Sam Worthington. So that's a, it's a very interesting interview because if you look at the trailer of Transfusion, it looks like a very intense, dark action thriller. There are some small elements to it, but a lot of this movie, like Matt says during the interview, is it, sorry for that bump, it's essentially a family relationship drama. It's a dark drama, and it's really well done. Check out our, our um, review of the movie over at Cinematics. Eric Holmes ended up really, really loving Transfusion. I enjoyed it as well. And the interview with Matt is very insightful regarding his process. His father, I believe, was was in the army, so he actually grew up knowing a thing or two about the military Matt did. And he's also a novelist, along with being a writer, director, and actor. Matt Nabel also plays the a, a big role in Transfusion. And the movie essentially is about a former officer, former soldier. He is having a little bit of a hard time raising his son. Because they both lost, he lost his wife to an accident, and his son is scarred physically and emotionally from the incident, understandably. And it's about how they, how he tries his best to raise his son. Also, moving forward, he's trying to 
he, he hasn't dealt with the trauma yet. Neither of them really have. And it's how they move on and to deal with the trauma. And also, he needs money, the Sam Worthington's character. And he ends up calling up or meeting an old army buddy of his, again, played by Matt Nabel, who gives him a job, like the kind of jobs they used to do before in the military, the kind of situations they would find themselves in. So that's all I'm going to say regarding transfusion. It's a very, look, Sam Worthington's excellent in this movie. Same same with Matt Nabel there. Scenes together are really, are electric. And the two sons who play, of Sam Worthington's character, one son plays him is at eight years old. Another one plays a son at like around 13 or 14. They're both very, very good actors. So check out Transfusion when it hits theaters on Friday, March 3rd, as well as I believe digital and on demand. So that's the first interview. And then eventually, oh, also wanted to mention, I also interview Connor Floyd and Gigi Gustin for this movie called The Last Deal. Here's the funny thing about The Last Deal. They're in it for just one scene. But what's cool about it is they made themselves available to promote this movie. And yeah, I like that movie too. The Last Deal centers on a guy who's selling marijuana and he make basically wants to do one last deal to eventually settle down and actually leave the life of crime that he has generated over the years just trying to make ends meet. So that, so that is sort of a, like Transfusion, it has relationship drama elements. And the trailer might look like an action thriller, but yeah, and there are there is a little bit more action here in the last deal than in Transfusion. So, but still, at its heart, the last deal is really about a guy who makes a very who makes a deal pretty much with the devil, and what happens when that deal goes south? You, he's in a race for survival. But again, that that's an interesting movie. I recommend the last deal as well. But I recommend the interview with Gigi and Connor Floyd, Gigi Gus and Connor Floyd, because they both talk about their acting careers. Connor Floyd is in The Young and the Restless. They're celebrating, I believe, what is it, the 50th anniversary this month, this month being March. And then Gigi Gustin has a project out called Nightmare at Precinct 84 that might be out later this year. It's a horror anthology that she has gotten, is producing and got together. She actually created her own short as well. So that's if you're an indie horror fan, you're going to be interested in hearing her talk about that to Nightmare at Precinct 84. And then Connor Floyd is with The Young and the Restless. So for these interviews, you're going to get Matt Nabel for Transfusion. Then you're going to get Connor Floyd and Gigi Gustin for The Last Deal. Information on how to actually see these movies, I will leave in the show notes. Very good interviews. And then towards the end, stay till the end of this episode because I have a little bit of a mini giveaway for people who listen to this podcast. And hopefully you like, here's a little hint, hopefully you like a, dig, a digital code or two. All right, guys. So first we have Matt Nabel. And then after that, you're going to hear a little click, little tone, and then we're going to go right into Connor Floyd and Gigi Gustin. The, find your film, by the way, the movies that are mentioned as far as movie recommendations are Shawshank Redemption, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, the Outlaw Josie Wales. I love that movie. I love that Western. And Jaws. So I'm not going to tell you who actually said these movies, but these are the movies that are being discussed towards the end of these respective interviews. Love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting us here over at Find Your Film. And yes, I was going to say some something else. Let me just get to the interview after the Gigi and Connor interview. Sorry, after the Gigi and Connor interview, just stay around for the little mini giveaway at the end. Okay. All right. Bye. Will I be brave like you one day? Remember when I told you to shoot the deer and you said no? 
That's being brave. How's it coming along? Be finished by the time she's 16. <laughs> Mr. Logan, the situation with your son is dire. If he appears before this court again, he'll be taken from your care. Corporal, how'd you know where I lived? Right under surveillance. I need your help, son. Whatever it is, it's not for me. You've forgotten about Tony McManus. No, I did that. Because you're my brother. Are you going hunting? Sounds always good. Yes, sir. Ned, we're good! It's not it! You're a soldier. You did what you had to do. Go through the hill! What? No! Look, I'm just wondering if you know anyone else out there in the game who's got the same skill set as you. She was still here and not me. You want to know where I run away? Come on. Because you don't want me, Dad. We're all just men. We're not invincible. We're just trying to walk a line between courage and fear. Matt, first of all, I, I've always had one of these fears about the screenwriting and writing, the fact that it's such a solitary process. It's not, it's sometimes a lot of times you're by yourself in a room on the blank page. Is this fear, I guess, from your end, unfounded? Do you find that solitude actually refreshing on a creative level as opposed to some people who fear actually writing? Is that, yeah? No, no, I, I you know, fundamentally a, a writer you know so I, nothing that i have, do now either as an actor or a director would be would be happening without me first vocationally um pursuing writing everything's just been an extension of that so you know i i write you know novels so you know writing a screenplay and writing a novel are very very different but i've never ever felt um intimidated or scared getting to a uh, getting to the computer to, to write like I, I'm, I'm quite honestly the opposite I enjoy the solitude enjoy the time alone um, no, look man I'm just sitting down making shit up so it's, it's uh there's nothing to fear mate like you know I don't have anyone's life in my hands I'm I'm spinning a yarn mate I'm telling the story so I, I I love it look I'll get off I've got one more interview after you and and I'll I'll write for the rest of the day. Okay. I, know, I love it. I also love the word yarn. One of my favorite directors, Samuel Fuller, would always say his stories were were yarns. This oh, yeah. yarn, yeah, this yarn for transfusion, I it was really resonant for me because it's a story of a, a father and, and son. Yeah. You ha- you have experience uh with the army as well, with your father. And what was it like? Was this sort of a semi-personal story or you're just taking some of that knowledge and infusing it into a completely... Um... No, there's always, you know, I, I wrote this and, you know, I had written some films that I didn't direct and, and they were really well executed by the directors, but um, they, they, they weren't exactly what I had written. So I thought, well, the next thing I write, 
if you want it, if you really want it to totally land, then direct it. Um, and I felt at a time of my career I've been around for so long um, that I understood the process well enough and, you know, I, I, I could do it. So, but what to do that, what I had to do was write about things I know, which was obviously you alluded to. I'm, I'm a father and and I was around, you know, I was a father was in the army for 20 years. So I grew up on army barracks and was around a lot of these affected men. So it is personal, you know, you, the way you, there are things within the character between uh, Wertho, Sam and, and young Edward that mirror how I might talk to my children or how my philosophies on say bravery or you know they are very personal things and and I witnessed people I witnessed my father in real distress at different stages um you know uh after coming out of the army and and his behavior there's you know a scene with me um uh you know where I end up in, in a fight, but you know, it's just me, that character by himself uh, in a room, you know, listening to music, and they're things I've witnessed um, with, with, with different people. So, yeah, there, there is a personal element to it, most definitely. And and I think if you've got that, then there should be a way that if you execute it the right way, that it becomes resonant um, and realistic. So, uh, yeah, there are definitely personal personal pieces to this film um, that are that are part of my uh, either things are observed or things that I've felt. Those young actors who play the boys in this movie. Amazing. Uh, I, I just, I, obviously you're following your instincts as an artist, but what was it like to see it, whether it's the dailies, the final cuts, the edit room, just to see both of these guys, these young kids, uh, well, young kid, one young kid and one teen really knock it out of the park. Yeah, no, it was it was amazing. Um, you know, the, the thing about young actors is they're not they don't have any bad habits. You know, both of these kids hadn't done anything before, so they, you know, they don't know the tricks. They don't know when the camera's on and when the camera's off them. So they just give you everything. Um, uh, and if you you know you play your cards right, and you don't exhaust them, then you're going to end up getting some really really special stuff. So it was just also exciting to watch the the kids you know, interacting with each other, that group when they're in their teenage years, all those boys coming together, um, you know, watching them enjoy it. Um, and and none of those guys, the, uh, two of those guys, three of those guys, including Edward, had never been on set before. Or my son's in it, so my son's been on sets all around the world, but he never acted before. But he understands what a set is and what filmmaking is. And then the other two guys had done a little bit, but to watch those two guys, uh, that group of five kids bounce off each other and come together was remarkably exciting. Um, yeah, and it, it sort of made me wish I was a young actor again and, and, and without any bad habits and, you know, attitude and, yeah, it's, uh, no, it was, was wonderful to watch. It, it certainly brought me back to, you know, where, where it all started. You know, you're, obviously you're, you're directing the movie, but what was it like to be in the scenes with Sam? Because the, you're playing pretty much kind of brothers who really love each other but then there's so many layers behind that each of you knows that as much as you love each other and will will go to the mat for each other you guys are not in a way good for each other in so many different ways there's there's so many ways to dissect that relationship so and on top of that you have to be in the moment with sam at the so there's all that stuff going on do you just throw that all away and just go for it yeah, I think so, mate. Like we, um, I'd worked with Sam on Hacksaw Ridge, so we we'd we'd been in scenes, scenes together, and um, 
uh, yeah, and before we rolled, we, we had a lot of conversations and, and we got to know each other quite well and we were on the same page. So, but, but you're right, it is difficult because there's a lot going on with that relationship. You know, it, it, in generalities, that relationship is a really, really complex relationship when you have two men who have experienced and endured things that relationships, 99.9% of relationships never have to endure or never experience. So, you know, there's there's a real bond and love. There's also a sense of, you know, you can't walk away from those relationships. You, you, you can't. They've experienced too much. They've experienced and seen too much. And traumatically, where they're left, they need each other, which is which is hard because, as you alluded to, they're not good for each other. But there's a comfort in in being with each other and 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 knowing the things that are unsaid that 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 are still communicated. Um, that make them feel okay about who they are and what they've done or what they've seen or uh, there's a level of comfort just being in each other's company. So there's a lot going on and, and Sam and I understood that really, really well uh, because of the research and, and the opportunities we had to talk to people who are, who had come back and who were in those types of relationships. So we were very lucky that way and, um, you know, as a director, you sort of, you know, as an actor and as a director on that same project, I, it was easy for me to walk out, know where the camera was um, so I could forget it and then just exist in the moment. So, and working with someone who's as talented and committed as Sam made it um, made it easier for sure. I, I don't know if this is a, the right question to ask, but, what, you know, some people may go into transfusion expecting a B, B movie thriller genre yeah. type of film, but... Yeah. It, but how cool is it to know that these some a lot of the cinephiles will go in thinking that, but it's so it's just so much more. It it's it reaches deep, and is that one of the cool things where it's sort of yeah, a look, cool? Thing? Yeah. Look, I always had it as a drama, and there's some high stake elements to this film, but it's not it's not a thriller. It's it's a really slow burn up until you get to the last forty minutes where it, where it sort of kicks off. So it's a relationship movie. That's what it's about now. You know, people who buy the film um, and and market it will will lasso in the biggest audience they can, and because there are those elements, they'll cut it and, and make it. Uh, you know, they'll cater the audience or the potential audience towards that. Now, two things can happen: people can be really, really surprised and go along for the journey, or people can get feel like they're let down because it's not what they thought they were getting. That can happen in equal amounts, and that and that's fine. I'm not in control of that. I just made what I made. Um, and we were lucky enough to, to have a market where people came in and, and really believed in it. And inevitably, people are going to get out of it what they get out of it. Um, and now, had we have marketed it as a pure relationship drama, then the audience that are going to go and see this is not going to be as vast. It just won't. There's nowhere no. near the audience for that type of film as there is. So it's a catch-22. So you – and look, you know, tonally and narrative-wise, there, there are definitely both elements. Um, so – it's tricky to see how that. It's tricky trying to put that together and saying, okay, what what exactly is this? It was always very clear in my mind what it was, um, but I can certainly understand someone else's propensity to go. Well, we want to push it this way because we've got those elements to it. So, you know, in Australia, the audiences, the people who get it, get it, and there are also people who have watched it and gone, you know, where's the fucking car chase? You know, <laughs> there. So it's it's it's. You know, you sort of it can be divided, and that, and for me, that's nor here nor there. I've made the film that I wanted to make. 
we made the film we wanted to make and we're all very, very proud of it. So, but if you're, if you go into that film and not having it marketed to you, then, then that's probably the best way to watch it. Um, but you're right. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's marketed a certain way, but there are elements to it that, that rub against that. Matt, a couple of final questions. Um, I'm going to ask you uh, just off the top of your head, can you name one of your all time favorite films and what is it about this specific movie that still resonates with you as a, as a movie buff? Look, the, the last thing I watched, I was watching Shawshank Redemption, and, and I remember seeing that at the – I went to the cinemas to see that in 1994. No one went and saw that at the movies. You know, it, it was considered, you know, financially it didn't do well. But that is one of those movies that hangs together purely and simply um, because of the relationships of people, nothing else. All the other stuff that's going on around it, um, being in prison, um, the desire to get out, the hope, all those types of things are, are woven into the relationship between uh, these prisoners who are experiencing the same fate and the same lived life. Um, and I think those types of movies um, are just so rewatchable. And, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest I was watching the other day. Again, you know, uh, wonderful performances, but, but um, really leaning into what's important, which are relationships. And beyond that, mate, that, you know, there isn't much else. It's all pretty well fluff. So um, yeah. they're the types of movies that, that, that really resonate with me. Really love your film, man. Thank you so much for your time. Pleasure, buddy. Lovely to talk right. to you, mate. First off the last deal, I was expecting just a shoot 'em up action ride kind of thing, but I got pleasantly surprised. I got a character driven drama, which was very intense did both is that one thing that you liked about the last deal? Can you speak to what you loved about the story from both your angles? Hey, Gigi, you got it. Um, well, I want to say, and you know, I play a very small part in in the film. But when I got the script, what I really liked about it was one, yes, it was character driven, but it was very original. Um, it's unexplored territory, especially through film. So that's why I was just excited to jump on and be a part of it at all, even a small part. Yeah I, yeah, I can kind of attest the same thing, um, you know, going into the audition process, reading the script and, and getting the uh, the scoop from Jonathan. It, it, it was very original. I mean, you'd never really seen anybody touch that subject. So um, I, I really enjoyed Jonathan as well. Me and him kind of hit it off in the whole audition process. So getting to work with him was uh, was fun as well. You guys have been asked about this a lot, but being actors, I, I think this was shot probably in the midst of COVID or the peak of it. What was the challenges for both of you shooting on that day? And, you know, from what, from, I'm pretty, I, I review films. So it's, it's been hard for me to go out and actually go to screenings because I'm paranoid. How has it been for you guys? Because you guys are pretty much on the boots, like on the, you know, working with so many different people, or am I just being paranoid about that whole thing? So. No, I think uh, Jonathan made us very comfortable. I mean, uh, I think we shot this August, 2020, so yeah. everyone was ready to get the hell out of the house and go do something, right? Yeah. And um, to, to be able to go do our job, it, it was amazing. And uh, Jonathan, make sure everybody was comfortable. He, we followed all the rules. We tested, you know, we kept distance apart on set and stuff like that. And he made sure everybody was comfortable when we were, you know, kind of getting close. Uh, but yeah, it, I, we didn't have any kind of complications, I don't think. Yeah, it was a very smooth, a very smooth sailing set. One of the smoothest I had been on actually in the midst of COVID. So kudos to Jonathan and team. <laughs> so 
I, gee, I was asking Connor this before we started recording. And so I'm going to actually put this on the record. I was speaking to an actress and you were saying that even with the amount of content out there available on streaming or movies or TV shows and whatnot, mm-hmm. being an actor is still a competitive business. It doesn't matter how much content is out there. Do you agree with that? The fact that it doesn't matter how much output there is, the competition has always been the same from an acting field. Can both of you speak on that subject? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. extremely <laughs> competitive. And I think it makes it almost more difficult that there's so much content because um, it, it's so oversaturated. So f- for me personally, it's not just about jumping on something, just getting a job, but to get the good jobs are really hard to get your hands on original content on a good script is really, really difficult. And then to be the one that's chosen is also difficult. There's also so much that goes into casting. Like, you could have the best tape, but you may not fit with the rest of the cast. They may not, you may be too tall for the, your love interest. There's a million things that are out of your control. So that's something that's really difficult as an actor, especially a, a personal quirk I have is I like to be in control, but you really have none. All, all you can do is go do your audition and leave it out there. Um but it's, it's extremely competitive. So you just have to leave it all out there and like believe in yourself so hard that other people start following suit and believe in you as well and start casting you. <laughs> and I think all these other platforms have made it more competitive now. You know, back in the day, I mean, I can't attest, but I'm sure there was like, you know, a certain amount of actors. But now I think there's probably even more. Yeah. Because even more content out there. And I, we were talking about it before, Greg, uh, the whole social media thing. Yeah. Um, like I, I've been asked in auditions, how many followers do you have? Cause that's, you know, that's free marketing right there. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, and if you got, I don't have that many followers. So, you know, and I don't have like a pretty strong social media game. So that's, that's definitely something that you need to uh, uh, learn to do because I, f- I feel like people are looking at that. They are. Yeah. You're totally right. That's one thing that I, I wasn't really prepared for in this industry that I've been trying to tackle is that it's not really enough to just be an actor or a singer or a musician. You have to be actor, influencer, singer, influencer, because they do expect that part of it. Now it's a little bit frustrating because I wish I could take all the time that I put into social media and just focus on my craft, but it is part of the game now. So you just got to keep up with it and go with it. So I'm going to ask you both of you separate questions. And I think this is really cool just from looking at both of your resumes. First of all, Gigi, you're talking about being in control. I'm looking at this short that you did, Night Flirt, collaborating with Bill Mosley. That must have been really cool for you. What was that experience like? And is that part of that whole idea about just creating your own stuff and being more in control of what you want to do? And then, Connor, I kind of look at you like a... um like a Michael Jordan when it comes to actors because of what you have to do in, in soaps, because it seems like you have to be the most well-conditioned actor with all the lines you have to memorize. And how, how has that put you in good stead moving forward in your career? Because it seems like you train every day as an actor. So those, those two questions for both of you. Connor, you take it first. Okay. Thanks. Um, Yeah, man. Soaps. uh, Before I got in that job, I I didn't really, uh, I didn't, I wasn't aware of the, the workload. And I remember when I booked it, my agent told me, this is, you know, this will be your acting school. So give it everything you got. It's it's about what you put into it. You're going to get out of it. So if you show up every day and give it everything you got, you'll you'll fine tune little acting instruments that you have. And yeah, that's seems to be the name of the game. Uh, we're shooting like 60 pages a day, which is unheard of. Wow. Uh, we're moving very, very fast. You know, there's not a lot of rehearsal time. It's a very well-oiled machine where 
these people expect you to show up and know your stuff and get your job done and don't cause any complications. And all the other actors that have been there for a really long time, they they kind of attest to that. And that was their best piece of advice when I got on was, you know, know your stuff, man. Know your stuff. Go do your homework. And uh, I really enjoy the whole, you know, reading the script, digging down and finding the layers of it, too. So that's that's been really fun to, you know, uh, kind of get thrown up on the ropes. And uh, when you're filming four days a week, you get tossed another four scripts and you got those the next week. So it's like these things just kind of stack up on each other. But I mean, that's what you want as an actor, man. You want to you're practicing every day. And so I'm I feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to practice and getting better every day I can. How do you be, how do you get Zen for that? Because it just seems your answer made me absolutely nervous. Uh, <laughs> do you just drink lots of caffeine? Do you put on the calm app on your iPhone? Man, do you, meditation, what do you- man. I listen to McConaughey. He puts me to sleep or something, something like that. No, it, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy the, I enjoy the work, man. That it keeps me busy. It, uh, you know, and as an actor, you know, you're, you're working those instruments every day, which I love. And, uh, you know, I, I'm an athlete at heart, so if I can go to practice, get better, I'm I'm game. Like, sign me up for it. Yeah, and Gigi, to your point, you said that being really controlling and you want to be control of your stuff. You called it a quirk. I think that's a great. That's a talent. That's a, ta- a great talent that you have. Can you speak to that and and in the short and what you want to do with your career? Because I think having that kind of motivation can put you in a really good direction with what you want to do. Sure. Yeah. Well. Um. I've made, I've made some really good contacts, um, contacts in the indie horror community. And, um, I just wasn't as grateful as I am to work. I wasn't thrilled with the parts I was getting. I didn't feel like I was, the projects I was taking were really giving me a vehicle to show my acting chops. And I just, I don't know. I feel like sometimes actors, they wait for the elevator to come and take them. And I was like, okay, the elevator's not coming. So I'm just going to build my own stairs. So I went and I got, um, I started doing a bunch of odd jobs and I saved up a bunch of money and I I hired an Emmy nominated writer to write a short film that would just showcase me. And um, we did it all one location, just me, but the, the girl, she's a phone sex operator and she gets a call from death basically. And I had worked with Bill Mosley on a previous project and I was like, oh my gosh, COVID safe. I don't have to bring, I don't have to bring Bill to set. I can just shoot everything, just me and the crew, and then record Bill's stuff in um, at a voiceover studio. And so that that's what we did. And that short film is actually now part of an anthology called Nightmare at Precinct 84. We're working on distribution right now, but I recruited some other filmmakers that wanted to put their shorts in the anthology. And one of those shorts is from the directors of The Gallows. And so they have a short called We All Scream. So that's also in the movie and the movie centers around missing persons. So the whole thing, the wraparound takes place in a precinct and every short story starts with um, a missing person victim that's on the wall at the precinct, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, Connor, I, I know you you have your own, own fan base in, in the soap world, but I don't know if you know this, but in the horror, my, my podcast co-hosts, they're, they're oh. just insane in a good way did you what's i guess the last couple of years been like just you're talking about creating your own stuff but then you're opening the doors for a did you were you surprised at how big of an avenue this is that indie horror community well i guess you know they're very the indie horror community is so tight-knit they're really close and um they're really supportive and it was really really difficult um it's definitely difficult creating your own content but the support that i've had has been really really beautiful and what's great about horror movies is you don't necessarily need a huge celebrity in it for people to want to watch it. People will watch it regardless. 
So that's one thing that's like helpful. I'm like, this is something that even though I'm not like the top of the world yet, people will watch me if I can like (laughs) do a good job and hire the right team and pick the right subject matter that hasn't really been explored a whole lot, which is why I went for the the phone sex operator angle, which is another reason that the last deal appealed to me, kind of unexplored territory. Connor, and you have a, can you talk about your lifetime film that you have coming up? In March, and what's it been like? I guess last several years, just your own community, whether it's soaps or it's the TV movie genre with Lifetime, because I, I think that's an underrated genre as far as the storytelling craft. I mean, what's it been like to be exposed to that world and then also that movie? Yeah, you know, Lifetime, the the soaps kind of have a, it's kind of similar. You know, they they work really fast and they work under yeah. circumstances where you know they're kind of under pressure. Um, but I've I've shot some really cool Lifetime movies. I've shot like a handful out in Oklahoma, which was really cool. And uh, I went to school in Tulsa, so it was kind of fun to go back there and uh, do some acting jobs. And uh, there's a, there's an awesome crew out there. Everyone's kind of a small community, and so on these projects, you they kind of, you kind of see the same faces every now and then on the crew. Um, met some really cool people, saw filmed some really cool projects. Uh, this one coming up in March is called "She Inherited Danger." A guy named Peter Foldy directed it, and he's really cool uh, for all you old 80s, like pop star Canadian fans out there. He was a big deal back in the day. And, uh, yeah, I got to work with some really amazing actors, too. Um, but, yeah, the 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 soap and the, the Lifetime fan bases kind of overlap. You know, it's that, like, 50 to 60-year-old women. <laughs> it's kind of all the same, you know. I'll really kind of lay over somebody be like, oh, so, oh, I saw you on this movie too. So, But everyone's super nice. Everyone's great, very nice. Uh, when I first got on, it was kind of rough because they really wanted me to cut my hair. So I was getting, <laughs> getting uh, you know, abused about my hair all the time. I was like, what's wrong with my hair? <laughs> it was good. Time. Everyone's so accommodating, very nice. And it's it's nice to you know, see people go out of their way and leave a message on Instagram or something like that. It makes me feel good. You know, Gigi, I don't know where you were born, if you were born in LA, but a lot of people who work in the business, they consider Los Angeles pretty much only an industry time, industry town. Like, so Connor, you're talking about Tulsa. Do you ever miss home? And Gigi, I don't know where you were. Do you ever miss wherever you were born and, and where you used to live, et cetera? Not really. <laughs> um, nope. I'm, from, I'm from New Jersey. Um, it has its charm. I miss my family. But um, LA, one, the weather you can't beat. But two, there's just inspiration everywhere. And when I'm in Jersey, I can't get a phone call that's like, hey, do you want to do this music video right now? Do you, are you available tomorrow for a film? Yeah. We have an actor drop out. Those opportunities don't don't come in New Jersey from my experience. So by being in LA, you're just putting yourself in the position for good things to happen to you. So that's that's why I'm I, I love LA. I've been here for five years now and I'll probably stick around for a hot second. For a hot, hot second. How about you, Connor? <laughs> yeah, same same thing. It's like, you know, you drive around out here and you see like the Hollywood sign or the the Chinese theater or something like that. And it gets you a little motivated, you know, that, that stuff that gets me rolling. So uh, you can't get that any other places. I mean, this is, I feel like the heart of TV and film. So yeah. I, I think this is the place you're supposed to be. I know it's different now and everybody could, uh, uh, you know, do things online and online auditions and stuff like that. But like Gigi said, if somebody gives me a call and like, Hey, can you, can you show up tomorrow? It's like usually most of the time everybody's out here. But I'm from Austin, Texas, and apparently the film scene's growing there. 
Um, I got to go film a, a Western down there that hasn't come out yet. We'll see if that ever comes out. But um, oh, wow. yeah, it would be cool to go back to Austin and do something. I enjoy that. That's Westerns are my favorite genre. Was it hard to film? Because you're out in the elements. You have that stuff on and you must it, be sweating. It was really cool, actually. And I, I got to go down there for a like a week in advance. And I got to go to outlaw camp because I was like this ex-outlaw. And so there were these guys that that uh, provided all the horses and they were like the Wranglers. They are like uh, specialized in, you know, whatever year, I think it was like 18s or the 1700s. They're, they're specialized in moving and being like that, right? So uh, I got to go and like figure out how to get on a horse like an outlaw or like an outlaw, like how to get off, get on, hold my gun, how I greet somebody, like how to trot. Out of Gallup, and uh, yeah, really cool. <laughs> Got to play cool. cowboy for like a month. <laughs> you know, I forgot to ask Gigi. You you were talking about hiring that Emmy award winning writer, Emmy winning writer for the short, and you know, after the last after doing that short, do you see yourself as even though acting is your number one thing, do you feel like you're like uh, producing or directing or just getting projects together? Is this a passion that you might have, or you or you now have because of what you've been doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the truth is, I, I I believe I'm good at it. Um, I don't I don't particularly enjoy it. I think producing is very difficult. It's very stressful, and um, I I have a newfound respect for it. That's for sure. But for me, I've also like you know producing your own content that gives you less time to focus on your performance when you're worried about the logistics and money so for me i would just like to focus on in front of the camera work but i am really thrilled that i was able to experience the opposite side of the camera and filmmaking because it really just makes you more of an asset in front of the camera when you can understand what goes on on the opposite side yeah when people come up to both of you and ask you for acting advice do you give them the hard knocks or type of advice the realistic straight shooting kind of advice or or is it more the inspirational advice or does it really depend on the person you you meet and ask for some of your your respective insights i usually hit them with the inspiration right you know if they they feel like that's their dream then hell go for it right why not that's kind of i feel like that's what me and Gigi did Gigi's been doing it for a little longer than i have but um yeah i mean i kind of tell them get out here and get on set like that's, I feel like the best practice you can do, you know, whether it's behind the camera or in front of the camera, get on, get on set, some kind of set and figure out how things move. Because I feel like people are going to hire actors who know what they're doing, you know, yeah. aren't going to cause any complications, aren't going to cause, you know, any delays and uh, being on set is the best way to find that out. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Final question is right off, right off the top of your head. Can each of you name your one of your favorite movies and what is it about this specific film that resonates with you? How many did you say? <laughs> one, just one, just How one. Much time you got? I can name about <laughs> okay. 25. Off the top. Yeah. Just off the, yeah. Off the top. Oh. Which bits? I just watched one of my favorite movies the other day and I hadn't seen it in a long time, uh, but I like to watch it every now and then because it gets me pumped up. But the outlaw Josie Wales, with the Clint Eastwood, yeah, you were talking about westerns earlier, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what is it specifically about the outlaw Josie Wales that you loved? And my aunt, my my rebut or my my response to that is, I love it so much because it's not your traditional western. It really looks at the family unit and yeah. loss and mortality yeah. and forgiveness. So I don't know. 
Yeah, I like that character. And I know Clint Eastwood kind of, he's always kind of that guy that's lost everyone. He's out for vengeance or, you know, he's this lone ranger that's all by himself. But I, I really enjoy that uh, that that aspect of his character where he's got nothing to lose now, you know. He's got absolutely nothing to lose. And I just think he's extra cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I want to be like that guy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Gigi? All right. It's so hard to pick one, but if I have to pick one, I'm going to say Jaws. Right. Oh, Jaws, because it still makes you scared or it still scares you, I guess? You know what? The power of show don't tell. You don't even see yeah. the shark until like the near end of the film. Yet it's horrifying the way that they create the space with just like the music and the performances, but you don't even, you're so horrified at this thing that you don't see. I just think it's masterful. I mean, I was a little bit disappointed to find out that part of the reason the film went that way was because the shark wasn't working. It was giving them a really (laughs) hard time. (laughs) But it was like this beautiful, happy accident. Yet Spielberg has continued to show, though, that like it wasn't a fluke. He is someone to be taken serious and he's incredible because he's done all these amazing movies after the fact. And I was so disappointed when I found out, um, you know, that the reason they did the movie that way was because the shark was having mechanical issues. So that is something where it could be like, oh, it's a happy accident. But however, the director has continued to prove himself to just be a master of the craft. And it was a happy accident, but he's deserving of all the success he has. So I just love the film and you can't beat it. There's never been, you can't beat Jaws. You just can't like, it's just the best. (laughs) (laughs) My final question is just the origin story. What, what led both of you into the acting field? Because it seems there there needs to be a spark for someone to go into a profession that has its share of challenges and joys. But what what inspired both of you to get into this craft? Oh, man, that's tough. You go first. I want to hear yours. <laughs> well, I I was sort of born into it. I did. I was um, doing theater and stage and singing when I was like five years old. And then my parents had got me and my brother into acting. So I actually um, did my first national commercial at five years old. I did Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I did a bunch of Chuck E. Cheese commercials. Um, but eventually my parents, um, they split up. So my mom had to work full time and there's no one to take my brother and I up to New York at the time where we were doing all of our gigs and auditions. So we both fell out of it. Um, And then when I was a little bit older, I guess I just, I I used movies to escape a lot. And I often wondered where I would be had I continued on in that path. So. Oops. Did I lose her? I think I lost Gigi, but you can see, still see me, right? Yeah, yeah, I can see you. How about you? So uh, what got you into it? (laughs) Oh man. Um, Hard transition. Hard transition. Um, Man, I'd probably have to say. Me and my dad always really bonded over movies. He's like a 80s movies geek. So, you know, show me like Fast Times back in the day. That's another one of my favorite movies, by the way. I just watched that the other day. I'm probably your dad's age because I'm a Gen Xer. Okay. Yeah. So I still haven't seen Fast Times. Oh, man. Yeah. You got to see Fast Times, man. But uh, yeah, me and my dad always, he'd always sit me down, put on like, you know, some kind of Clint Eastwood flick or Fast Times, Back to the Future, stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, when I grew up, I'd get lost, kind of like Gigi said in those movies, like, you know, Jurassic Park, Star Wars. I loved I loved movies. Movies were my favorite thing. I uh, started taking acting when I was little. Uh, I played football all the way through college. So sports was kind of my main thing. What were you, uh, safety? Strong safety or something? I was a wide receiver. 
Well, cool. But uh, yeah, that was the main deal. Got a scholarship to play in college. So that, that was kind of like the, the focus, man. I had all, I thought that was my future, but acting was always this thing I just enjoyed. And uh, you know, between me and my dad having that love for movies and me uh, being obsessed with jackass and trying to emulate that on like <laughs> my parents' camcorders and stuff like that, all this kind of evolved into me uh, really thinking about, you know, film and, and acting and, when I was in college, I um, I had a full semester of football left. I'd already graduated, so I got to take whatever classes I wanted. Here we go. She back? Yeah, she's back. Oh, she connect? Oh. I think she's connecting. And then you, you were in college, and yeah, I, I, I fell in love with acting. I started learning about it, um, studying it. Hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's when I really fell in love with it, and I got too many concussions, so I was done playing football. Smart move. Smart yeah. move. And <laughs> Uh, JJ, you're you're just finishing your thought. I'm so sorry, my laptop died. No worries, oh, no. no worries, no worries. Yeah. Um, should I go back to where I was? Oh no, no, no. You cool? I can cut that about your inspiration really? and stuff like that. Just Chuck E. Cheese, and then uh, what okay. were you? And then you're coming back, yeah, coming back into acting. Okay, I'll wrap it up. So I was so my my parents I had to start working full time, so we fell out of it. Um, but I continued finding comfort in film as I was getting older. So I consciously made the choice to want to get back into it as an adult when I was like 18 or 19. Um, but I really didn't have, I mean, it's starting all over though. No one cares what you did when you were five. Um, so I started just doing extra work in New York city and I eventually landed myself on a reality competition show called American grit that John Cena hosted. And I won that TV show and there was a cash prize. So I won $250,000. And I used that to move to Los Angeles when I was around 20 and just kind of started um, going full force since then. Now I've been out here for five years. Congratulations. And uh, last question, last, last, when are you guys going to work again together? I mean, do you guys have plans? You guys know each other? When is that going to happen? We were going to joke about this, but the last, last deal. We're yeah. running it back, right? I mean, our characters are coming back for some vengeance. That's right. <laughs> Anything you guys want to plug before we leave? Anything else? Uh, Young and the Restless, the soap opera I'm on, the 50th anniversary is coming up in March. So stay tuned for some juicy drama. Great. Cool. JJ? Um, I guess for me, look out for my horror anthology, Nightmare at Precinct 84. It will hopefully be out um, early this year. Fingers crossed. Great. Thank you guys so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And thanks a lot. Thanks for having us, Greg. Take care, man. Okay. Thank Take care. You, Take care. Bye-bye. All right, guys, you either listened to the entire podcast, thank you for that, or you actually went to the timestamps and just went to the timestamp where it says giveaway, and well, here you are. Okay, so the giveaway is, and it ties into my coverage of Blu-rays, I did receive, as of today, I received a Blu-ray and digital code of the Olivia Coleman film, Empire of Light, the latest film from Sam Mendes, and I have a digital code to give away because it was in, I'm pretty much sure it works. I just opened the Blu-ray right now. So if you are interested in a digital code of Empire of Light, you don't really have to do much of anything. You don't have to like, you don't have to comment on anything, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to like my Facebook or or you don't have to put a comment or unrate and review th- this podcast. But you, one thing you do, you do need to do is email me over at info at findyourfilms.com, info at findyourfilms.com and tell me, Give me, give me a movie that you, you know, that you really want to recommend. Okay. A movie that you think is underrated 
overlooked, et cetera, et cetera. So, and tell me why you love it, right? So just email me and give me that movie that you think is a gem that people completely underrate and uh, I'll read it next week. Hopefully there are people who actually are listening to this and I'll read it and I'll read the winner, the winner of the giveaway for Empire of Light on, I was going to say on air, but on the podcast. All right, guys. Again, thank you so much for listening from all around the world. I love looking at the stats and seeing that there's so many different people, peoples, people are peoples, people just listening to the pod. All right, guys, thank you so much. And I'm just glad that there are more cinephiles. There's millions and millions of cinephiles out there, but I selfishly want some movie recommendations. Email me, hit me up, whether even if you don't want Empire of Light, email me, info at Find Your Films. Tell me what movies to watch. All right, guys, take care. Bye.